0: Andrew Harlan stepped into the kettle. Its sides were perfectly round and it fitted snugly inside a vertical shaft composed of widely spaced rods that shimmered into an unseeable haze six feet above Harlan's head. Harlan set the controls and moved the smoothly working starting lever. The kettle did not move. Harlan did not expect it to, he expected no movement neither up nor down, left nor right, forth nor back. Yet the spaces between the rods had melted into a gray blankness, which was solid to the touch, though nonetheless immaterial for all that. And there was the little stir in his stomach, the faint, psychosomatic touch of dizziness, that told him that all the kettle contained, including himself, was rushing up when through eternity. He had boarded the kettle in the five hundred and seventy fifth century, the base of operations assigned him two years earlier. At the time, the five hundred and seventy fifth had been the farthest upwen he had ever traveled. Now he was moving up when to the two thousand four hundred and fifty sixth century. Under ordinary circumstances he might have felt a little lost at the prospect. His native century was in the far down when the 95th century, to be exact. The 95th was a century stiffly restrictive of atomic power, faintly rustic, fond of natural wood as a structural material, exporters of certain types of distilled potables to nearly everyone, and importers of clover seed. Although Harlan had not been in the 95th since he entered special training and became a cub at the age of 15, There was always that feeling of loss when one moved out when from home. At the 2,456th, he would be nearly 240 millennia from his birth when, and that is a sizable distance even for a hardened eternal. Under ordinary circumstances, all this would be so. But right now, Harlan was in poor mood to think of anything but the fact that his documents were heavy in his pocket, and his plan heavy on his heart. He was a little frightened, a little tense, a little confused. It was his hands acting by themselves that brought the kettle to the proper halt at the proper century. Strange that a technician should feel tense or nervous about anything. What was it that Educator Yarrow had once said? Above all, a technician must be dispassionate. The reality change he initiates may affect the lives of as many as 50 billion people. A million or so more of these may be so drastically affected as to be considered new individuals. Under these conditions, an emotional makeup is a distinct handicap. Harlan put the memory of his teacher's dry voice out of his mind with an almost savage shake of his head. In those days, he had never imagined that he himself would have the peculiar talent for that very position. But emotion had come upon him after all, not for 50 billion people. What in time did he care for 50 billion people? There was just one, one person. He became aware that the kettle was stationary, and with the merest pause to pull his thoughts together, put himself into the cold, impersonal frame of mind a technician must have. He stepped out. The kettle he left, of course, was not the same as the one he had boarded, in the sense that it was not composed of the same atoms. He did not worry about that any more than any eternal would. To concern himself with the mystique of time travel, rather than with the simple fact of it, was the mark of the cub and newcomer to eternity. He paused again at the infinitely thin curtain of non-space and non-time which separated him from eternity in one way and from ordinary time in another. This would be a completely new section of eternity for him. He knew about it in a rough way, of course, having checked upon it in the temporal handbook. Still, there was no substitute for actual appearance, and he steeled himself for the initial shock of adjustment. He adjusted the controls, a simple matter in passing into eternity and a very complicated one in passing into time, a type of passage which was correspondingly less frequent.